recently, while attempting to clean out my very messy desk, I ran across an old newspaper article that came to mind when I was thinking about today's gospel. It's from the, I read it in the Chronicle, uh, but it was taken from the Houston Chronicle on November 18th, 1995. I don't know who the author was, but he or she writes the following. Itzhak Perlman, the violinist, came on stage to give a concert at Avery Fisher Hall at Lincoln Center in New York. If you've ever been to a Perlman concert, you know that getting on stage is no small achievement for him. He was stricken with polio as a child, and so he has braces on both legs and walks with the aid of two crutches. To see him walk across the stage one step at a time Painfully and slowly is an unforgettable sight. He walks painfully yet majestically until he reaches his chair. Then he sits down, slowly puts his crutches on the floor, undoes the clasps on his legs, tucks one foot back and extends the other foot forward. Then he bends down and picks up his violin puts it under his chin, nods to the conductor, and proceeds to play. By now, the audience is used to this ritual. They sit quietly while he makes his way across the stage to his chair. They remain reverently silent until he undoes the clasps on his legs. They wait until he is ready to play. But this time, something went wrong. Just as he finished the first few bars, one of the strings of his violin broke. You could hear it snap. It went off like gunfire across the room. There was no no mistaking what that sound meant. There was no mistaking what he had to do. People who were there that night thought to themselves, we figured that he would have to get up put on the clasps again, pick up his crutches and limp off the stage to either find another violin or else to find another string for this one. But he didn't. Instead, he waited a moment, closed his eyes, and then signaled the conductor to begin again. The orchestra began, and he played from where he had left off. And he played with such passion and such power and such purity as they had never heard before. Of course, anyone knows that it's impossible to play a symphonic work with just three strings. I know that, you know that. But that night, Itzhak Perlman refused to know that. You could see him modulating, changing, recomposing the piece in his head. At one point, it sounded like he was detuning the strings to get new sounds from them that they had never made before. When he finished, there was an awesome silence in the room. And then people rose and cheered. There was an extraordinary outburst of applause from every corner of the auditorium. We were all on our feet, screaming and cheering, doing everything we could 
to show how much we appreciated what he had done. <clears throat> he smiled, wiped the sweat from his brow, raised his bow to quiet us, and then, not boastfully, but in a quiet, pensive, reverent tone, he said, you know, sometimes it is the artist's task to find out how much music you can still make with what you have left. Sometimes it's our task to find out how much music we can make with what we have left. Today, the Sunday after Easter, is known as Low Sunday in the church. There are fewer of us. Many in the recent crowds will vacation again until next Christmas, and much has calmed down. Two weeks ago, we waved our palms and awakened the neighbors with the strains of all glory, laud, and honor, followed a few days later by the quiet, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And then last Sunday, with the grand and glorious music that celebrates the mystery at the core of our faith, Jesus Christ is risen today, we celebrated the feast of God's re creation. Our organist and choir were magnificent. The trumpets shouted out the news. And as the 40 days of Lent came to close, we moved beyond the events of Holy Week. In some ways, it felt like we were exhaustingly wrapping up the final act of our spiritual story. The tomb was empty. Lives were transformed. And the course of human history was changed. It certainly could feel like the concert, the story, was ended and that there was nothing left to do. Really? On this low Sunday, we read, as every year this time, the same gospel. So it must have something vital to say. With the fear-filled disciples hiding and locked inside, we again encounter Thomas, a seemingly ordinary and honest apostle, who was left to wrestle with the question of what do we have left? Thomas was seeking the truth, and Jesus reached out to him to dispel his doubts and despair. Jesus didn't hold any grudges, He didn't ask for revenge. He accepted them into their feelings of fear and possibly guilt. He said, peace, peace be with you. Not a casual greeting, nor a wish. It was a healing gift, a restoration of their relationship with God. And Jesus said to them, as Jesus does to us, unlock the doors. No more hiding in the rooms of fear, anger, despair, or vindictiveness. Open those doors and bring resurrection peace to a world so des- that so desperately needs it. When misery overwhelms hope, when faith dissolves into doubt, when fear replaces courage, when loneliness devours us, 
God finds and comes to us. Instead of hitting them with, where were you when I needed you most? Jesus blesses them with words of forgiveness, love, respect, and acceptance. And then he breathes on them as though to tell them that there is something left. The concert must go on. Go out and be my representatives on earth, even though things have changed. Go into a broken world and touch those places where there is still suffering and proclaim and participate in reconciliation and healing. Today, each one of us about to gather around Jesus' table here and at every other table at which bread is being broken in remembrance of him, we, you and I, are now the body of Christ, Jesus' presence in the world, called and empowered to do what he did. Of course, anxiety and doubt and fear are all known to us. We're just as human as the disciples. There probably isn't a person here who hasn't at some time faced the cross with all of its obscenity as well as its glory, who hasn't known in one way or another what it's like to be separated from God. You see, through faith, Thomas discovered the truth. And so will we, when we can change things from the way they are to the way they ought to be, And when we allow ourselves to be transformed and realize that nothing will change until we change it. Jesus brings peace, offers peace, and embodies peace. He brings life, offers life, and embodies life. Resurrection reality is about life and peace but they don't necessarily alter the circumstances of our present life and world. The concert doesn't always get played as the composer wrote it. Tornadoes, earthquakes, droughts still form. The hungry still need to be fed and loved ones will die. We're told over and over again that life happens. Life doesn't always turn out the way we want it to. We all experience disappointments. Diseases and other tragedies occur. Dreams are shattered. As many of us have experienced, advancing age can bring on unwelcomed restrictions. And some things don't always turn out all right. But the life and peace of Jesus' resurrection enable us to meet and live through those circumstances, to touch Jesus' wounds, to identify with his suffering. We know that the risen Christ is right here with us in the midst of all this, in the hour of our doubt, when the violin string pops. Even if we don't recognize him at first, we still do what he does, live as he lived, knowing that we can't solve it all, but praying that 
we will experience God's presence. Maybe we can't summon up a band of angels, but we can love. Perhaps we can't miraculously heal the sick, but we can visit and care for them. Maybe we can't raise the dead, but we can comfort those who mourn. We can't feed the whole world either, but we can generously share our own abundance. We can't end injustice, but we can advocate for justice in our communities and in our workplaces. Our mandate is to be part of what God is trying to do. It's not always easy. We can't understand it all. Faith takes work and patience and perseverance. God isn't asking us to move mountains, but to love, to be kind to one another, and to try to live in faith, putting ourselves into God's hands, our eyes opened in the breaking of the bread, with Jesus constantly reminding us that we are becoming what we eat. We are his body for the life of the world. One flesh, one people. Jesus said, follow me. The Easter proclamation is to ready up. Jesus gives us his peace, his breath, and his life. And then he sends us out to discover how much music we can still make with what we have left. My friends, we are free to unlock the doors of our lives and to step outside into his life. Amen. Amen.